But can I say, yeah, I'm ready to go Like weed seeds in the pot, yeah, I'm ready to grow And I don't care if the growth is fast or slow Grow my fan base, cause that's what really matters the most I see the top of y'all, swear I'm so close You ain't taking medication, let me give you a dose I am the realest in the end, that's not no quote Let's see who disagrees, raise your hand to vote Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome to Feel the Heat, episode 10. I'm your host, Day, along with my co-host, Webb. How's it going, everybody? Glad to be back. Let's get into it. As you know, we have our NCAA Games of the Week and also NFL uh, Games of the Week picks. So here we go. Let's jump right into it. Our NCAA Week 4 brings us a marquee showdown highlight between the college football schedules of one of the Big Ten's um, powerhouses, Number 11, Michigan, travels to number 13, Wisconsin, at noon tomorrow. The Wolverines are eager to pull, put a near-miss overtime victory against Army behind them, while the Badgers, who are a field goal favorites, have yet to allow a single score through two games and are averaging 55 points a game on offense. The SEC also has a showdown conference playoff game set for 3.30 p.m. tomorrow on CBS when number eight, Auburn visits number 17, Texas A&M, the Aggies are the four-point favorites. And now Webb will give you his take on who will take the Michigan-Wisconsin game. I'm taking Wisconsin here. I'm so ready for Michigan to finally be tested. And just all their weak spots shown in such, which I can imagine would be a dramatic fashion. I mean, their quarterback is suspect suspect with the offense that their coordinator is trying to put on a, put on the field it doesn't work for Shea Patterson their running game is suspect their defense is suspect and I think Wisconsin is going to let them know I am not a I'm not a Michigan fan at all and I'm trying not to be biased but I just genuinely think Wisconsin is better I really do I guess besides the Michigan Wolverines we should call them the Michigan suspects according to you suspect. I mean, they really are. <laughs> I mean, I'm rolling with you. I'm taking Wisconsin. Their passing attack is amazing to watch. And then you add in that the addition of Jonathan Taylor, who is a running back who's caused problems for opposing defenses this year. And yeah, some people will say they haven't played anybody, but they're putting up 55 points a game, and that is not an easy task to do. Only elite offenses are doing that this season. On the other hand, you have Michigan, um, their last game, they allowed Army to be very dominant in the rushing game. So you can look for Wisconsin to do the same thing. Uh, Keep in mind that Army only had four passing attempts. Other than that, they rushed for 200 yards against Michigan's defense, who was number one last year and are struggling since then. Um, Keep in mind also that Wisconsin has the number four offense in the nation and the number one defense, not allowing any scores yet. So we will see if Michigan can score. I'm taking Wisconsin and I think this will put, you know, Michigan probably um, at number 20 if they lose this game in a, in a big blowout. Not sure. But if they win, I'm, I'm going to be the first to tell you I will be shocked. I will be. But I look forward to watching that game. Absolutely. I think it's going to be a great showdown. Let's go ahead and move ahead, move forward to number eight, Auburn at number 17, Texas A&M. I believe, I believe they're at Texas. Are they at College Station or Kyle Field? Do you know? Mm, 
Oh, they're at they're at uh, Auburn's away. Auburn's away. Okay. So um, even though the Aggies are favored by four points, I like Auburn's defense personally to slow down a passing attack from the Aggies. Bo Nix will lead the Tigers to a victory. We've seen what he did against Oregon first game of the year, and he will be better this time around. His game is just improving as the time goes on. He has a big arm to do so. He has the offensive weapons. And then he has his defense where he can depend on to um, stop the attack from Texas A&M. So I, I got Auburn. Ah, hold on right there. Not so fast. I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going to have to go with uh, – I'm going to have – uh, Texas A&M simply because Auburn they really haven't been playing that well and it's funny that you brought up uh, Oregon they really they really weren't playing that well against Oregon until like the very end um, also it's funny that you brought up Bo Nix he's, uh, his completion percentage is only 52% and Auburn's lost Auburn's 4-6 and six against SEC ranked opponents and AM's won seven straight at home. I mean, I don't see how you can't take I don't see how you can't take Texan Texas AM. Sorry, excuse me, I can't really talk today, but yeah, I'm gonna go with Texas AM on this one. I just think that when you talk about conference play, the teams step it up a little bit. And if any team that's playing against a conference rival this weekend, I believe it'll be Auburn. I mean, yeah, they didn't play great against Oregon, but they got the W, and that's what matters. We will see what happens tomorrow at 3.30 on CBS. We will check that out, and we'll get back to you with the results of that game. Moving on to number seven, Notre Dame at number three, Georgia. I mean, Georgia's a clear favorite, right? And anyone taking Notre Dame, I think that you are a complete joke because Notre Dame got embarrassed last year in the playoffs against Clemson. And I don't think they have enough talent to stop Georgia's attack. You think Georgia has uh, their third and fourth string that are better than, you know, a lot of Notre Dame starters. They're elite. I mean, then you picked them to go to the college football playoff championship, maybe? Yeah, they did. And uh, Georgia's, they're in the conversation of really the only team other than Clemson that can beat Alabama. So I got to take Georgia on this one. I mean, I don't see how you can't. I mean, I'm not taking away from what Notre Dame is doing in their football program, but I don't just think I don't think that they're ready to face and beat a SEC team like Georgia or Alabama. Oh, um, they have to... oh of Go course ahead. not. I just I want to reiterate. I don't think Notre Dame is a bad football team. I'm not saying they're bad. They're ranked number seven for a reason. I just don't think that their offense is strong enough. I don't think that their defense. Will will be strong enough, long enough. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I uh, really agree. I with think you. Georgia's just going to overwhelm them with the running game, and I think their defense is going to overwhelm them with the pass rush. So I got to take Georgia. I mean, Notre Dame's good, but I don't think they're good enough. Believe it or not, a lot is riding on this game for Notre Dame. I mean, if they beat Georgia and upset Georgia, they have a chance to jump into the top five and going forward into their schedule, um, have a chance to make another college football playoff berth and redeem themselves. But I just don't see that happening. Even if they do, and they play, for example, say let's say they play Clemson again, 
I'm one. I'm ninety nine point nine percent sure the same exact thing is going to happen again. But and I, I couldn't disagree with that. I think you're. I think you're right. Here's the thing I love about sports. We're gonna see. So we'll find out. In the NFL news, last night we watched the Tennessee at the Jags. Here's the recap. This was a pure dominant game by the Jags defensive line and secondary. I mean, Mariota looked lost, confused. He couldn't escape the pressure. His offensive line um, couldn't keep a block up for him. Derrick Henry couldn't get off. And, and the best receiver for the Tennessee Titans looked like Humphreys, while their rookies, um, A.J. Brown and uh, second-year players like Corey Davis, they just – they didn't look like they was really um, effective in the game. Meanwhile, on the other side of the ball, you have Gardner Minshew, the rookie who looked phenomenal. He didn't play like a rookie. He looked like a veteran. He looked like he could read the coverage. He made uh, great passes, tight passes, uh, tight spiral passes, over the shoulder, um, back shoulder passes. And he was he was great. And um, there's another reason besides the offense that the Jags one, I mean, their offense did get stagnant for a little about a little bit, but um, they jumped up fourteen to zero really early in the game, and I think that the Jags, without Nick Foles, have a future with Gardner Minshew. I was, I agree with you. I was impressed with Gardner Minshew. Uh, he really exploited the one-on-one matchups that his receivers were getting, and. I seen him throw it up quite a lot, actually, and he was pretty accurate with the deep ball throw. I mean, 20 for 30, 204 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. I mean, you can't argue with that. Mariota, Mariota was airing it out, too. 23 for 40 on 304 yards, no interceptions, but no touchdowns. But check this out. Jacksonville's defense, 10 tackles for loss and nine sacks. Calais Campbell had at least four of them. They just oh oh he was phenomenal last night he was amazing last night uh, the the amount of times he got to the quarterback was just like man are you ever guys gonna like double team this guy man he's he's tearing your quarterback and up he didn't get any sacks he didn't have any sacks until until they played the Titans and honestly I was a little surprised that the Jag that the Jags did the Titans like this considering how the Titans started their season which was pretty well they looked pretty good but I. I think the Jags just had their number. Yeah, I mean, if you don't have a good quarterback or a quarterback who is fluent or can score and your running back doesn't score until the fourth quarter, you're in trouble. So that was a good win for Jacksonville. Give them a lot of, uh, you know, I guess courage and confidence they need moving forward into the season. I'm not going to – I think – they were like top three in the AFC last year, the year before. I'm not sure, but uh, they have a future with their defense. Obviously, with the loss of um, Jalen Ramsey, if he gets traded this season, it will hurt them. But overall, I mean, defense looked really good, and they, they can only move forward from here. The Titans can only move forward. Jamal Adams unfollowed the Jets on social media. Will he be the next to ask for a trade? Is this becoming a trend? I'm not happy with a team. So I go on social media. I unfollow them. I have a rant. I know he was upset that he got fined for the hit on Baker Mayfield, which I didn't think was a late hit. I think that the NFL is really 
becoming too soft when it comes to uh, this contact sport. Do you think he's going to ask for a trade? I mean, honestly, I don't know. Like it was news. It was news to me that he even unfollowed the Jets. As far as I knew, the only problem he had was with the league finding him. But I mean, if I had to put some type of thought together as to why he would do that, he probably went to the Jets front office, and they weren't on his side. So he was probably upset about that. But do I think he'll ask for a trade? Probably, because the Jets, honestly, they stink. They really do. Uh, they suck with Sam Darnold, and they're bad without him. I mean, here's Le'Veon Bell. They might as well trade him. Well, I, I don't even know what they're going to do with him. They're just going to run him into the ground like the Cowboys did to Marco Murray. And that's where I'm at. With, that's where I'm at with the Jets. I think they had potential, but it just it's not panning out. And I think Jamal Adams knows it, and maybe he might want out. Good for him. He's good. I think Jamal Adams is definitely good enough to be able to say, I want to win, and if I can't win in New York, I should be able to ask to go win somewhere else. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh I think it's becoming a, a, a big trend. I'm not pretty sure all of the details of the collective bargaining agreement for the NFL, but it just seems that whatever they discussed last time and put in place last time gave players a voice more than we have seen in the past to uh, demand where they want to play, uh, demand their trades. You see, we see a lot of temper tantrums. And I just think, like you said, Jamal Adams, he wants to win. He's clearly not going to win in in, uh, New York, so maybe he will ask for a trade. I just – it's similar to – and not to the extent of Antonio Brown's situation where he unfollowed the Raiders and then asked to be released. So we shall see what goes on with Jamal Adams moving forward. Here we are, uh, games of the week. In the AFC East, we have the Bills, who are 2-0, versus the Bengals, who are 0-2. Who's your pick? Uh, I'm going to go with the Bills simply because they've been – They've been playing pretty good. Their defense is pretty good. And honestly, the Bengals are liable to go 0-16 this year. That's just where I'm at with the Bengals. I mean, Andy Dalton, he's good, but A.J. Green's hurt. They don't have a defense. I'm just, I'm not seeing, I'm not seeing anything from the Bengals. Yeah, I would agree. I, I take the Bills um, as well. I think their their defense hasn't been great, has been great even though they haven't really played anyone with a really good offense. But Josh Allen is starting to look a little bit more comfortable and confident as a quarterback in the NFL, so they don't they can only go up from here. In the AFC West, we have the Ravens versus the Chiefs. I'm going to take the Ravens simply because I think they have a better defense, and I think Lamar Jackson is just spectacular. He's been playing out of his mind, and I got Marquise Brown in fantasy, so... I, I got to go with the Ravens. I got to go with them this week. Yeah, absolutely. Ravens are going to take the, the, the W this weekend. I think, uh, obviously, the Chiefs' offense will put up some points, but the Ravens will outscore them. Their D is number two right now, and their offense is number one. So we are going to be in for a good game. In the AFC North, we have the Browns versus the Rams. <sighs> 
You don't have to think that damn hard, man. You know it's gonna be the Rams. The Browns don't got no their defense ain't that damn. I good. know, but the Browns so many pieces, they're liable to do anything at any moment. That's just where I'm at with the Browns. Baker Mayfield, he's playing definitely suspect, but with the pieces he has around him, he's liable to do anything at any moment. So I don't know. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go I'm going to say the Browns just in case I'm right. Just in case I'm right. I mean, obviously the Rams are the better team here, but maybe they might pull off an upset. Who knows? Aaron Donald has I don't think Aaron Donald has any sacks yet. So playing totally up to expectation quite yet. Maybe we can see the Browns steal one. In these first two games, have you seen how many times that Baker Mayfield has been sacked or forced to scramble? Yeah. He... His offensive line is not holding up to their end of the bargain here. And let me tell you this. If the offensive line comes out to play as weak as they have, Aaron Donald will get his first sack. And it won't be his first sack. It will be how many times he touches Baker Mayfield. And the defense will be lurking Baker Mayfield all day. He can't really read the defense. We discussed this um, over text a couple of days ago. He's not really reading the defense well. He does have Od- um, Odell. He doesn't have the uh, tight end who's out with, I think, a concussion. sprained wrist maybe and a concussion as well. And they have Nick Chubbs and they also have Jarvis Landry. But the key thing is here, the Rams have enough pieces on defense where they can key in on Odell and force them to make, uh, to make Jarvis Landry be the big playmaker, which we know he can do. But if you don't have that that deep threat with Odell and you can take that away, you have a better chance at winning. He leads the Baker Mayfield leads the league in interceptions, but I jumped on the Browns bandwagon quite a while ago and I'm not ready to jump off just yet. I'm not ready. So I'm trying to in the AFC South, we have sorry, oh, go ahead. No. I was just trying to say I'm just trying to take a shot in the dark. Let's see what happens. I mean, I might be right. I might be right. We shall see on Sunday. In the AFC South, we have the Texans versus the Chargers. Um, I'm going to take the Chargers simply because they have a better defense and they got a better pass rush and the Texans' offensive line. It, it still sucks. I mean, as dynamic as Deshaun Watson is, outside, he's throwing while he's getting hit, throwing on the run, throwing outside the pocket. I don't know. I just feel like the Chargers are a more well-rounded team. Phillip Rivers is playing kind of bad, but I feel like he wants he's hungry to get that win. So, we'll see. I like the Texans in this game just because the Chargers are still without Duran James, uh, their safety. Yeah. A solid tight end and a healthy Mike Williams. Mike Williams is in the lineup, but he's not healthy. They still I like the Texans to win this game. I'm not they Go still ahead. got Keenan Allen. They still got Keenan Allen and um, Austin Eckler, who's playing out of his mind. But uh, the, I'm not sure right now in their starting lineup on defense if the Chargers have anyone that can lock down Hopkins one-on-one. I'm letting you know right now my fantasy team does have some type of bearing on my picks today. I'm not going to say how much, but I'm going to say it has some type of bearing on who I pick. Fair enough. In the NFC East, we have the Bears versus the Redskins. 
Bears, even though I feel like Mitchell Trubisky, his offense is very limited. He looks real restricted. He can't really stretch the field that much, but their defense is just so dominant. I mean, Case Keenum, he's pretty good. He's been playing pretty good, even though he's been losing. But I just don't think he can beat the Bears' defense. I don't believe in it. I won't reiterate what you said, but I'm rolling with the Redskins. I just think that Case Keenum is better than Mitchell Trubisky. But it will come down to the how well the Bears' defense play, and we know that they're pretty dang on good. Oh, so. I- I'm going to take the, the first, and roll with the rest. The first thing I said was Trubisky, he can't – He is, he's limited on offense. He can't really stretch the field that much. But the Bears' defense is just so dominant. And I'm just – I'm a defensive-minded person, so I'm apt to lean with the Bears. In the NFC West, we have the Saints versus Seahawks. I'm going to take the Seahawks. The Saints don't have Drew Brees. And honestly, without Drew Brees, I'm not expecting much from Teddy Bridgewater either. But they still do have Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara. They still have weapons. It's really, I got to see Teddy Bridgewater play. Until I, until I see him play and see what he can really do, I just, I don't believe in the Saints right now. I'm going to run with the Seahawks. Yeah, I don't think there's any disagreement there. I'm rolling with the Seahawks as well. In the AFC North, we have the Packers versus Denver. The Packers have a pretty good defense this year. I think it's actually top five. Uh, I'm going to run with the Packers. I'm rolling with the Packers too. Just a better team overall. In the NFC South, we have the Panthers versus the Cardinals. I got to run with the Panthers simply because they got Christian McCaffrey. He's on my fantasy team as well. But I will say this. Cam Newton is playing so suspect this year. I think Carolina should look to grab another quarterback to eventually take his place. I'm not saying grab one to replace him, but I'm saying grab one to be his successor. You know what I mean? No, absolutely. I understand what you're saying. I don't think that um, Cam will suit up. He's not expected to suit up on Sunday, but we will know uh, probably before game time. But I think the Cardinals will get their first win uh, this weekend. Oh, yeah. Not playing? Yeah, I'm going to ride with the Cardinals. Kyler Murray is definitely underrated. I think Kyler Murray can take the Cardinals to a victory over the Panthers without Cam Newton. Without Without Cam Newton. Right. That's the key point. Without Cam Newton, their offense will be limited and lean more on um, Christian McCaffrey. We're going to take a brief break and we'll be right back. NFL, we're going to jump right into the NBA. Over the week, we heard that Curry responded to Durant's comments about not fitting in with the Warriors and their motion offense being too much. Curry responds as, we all want to play iso ball at the end of the day in some way, shape, or form. 
but I'd rather have some championships too. And I think that KD is just salty. I don't believe in his heart. He really wanted to leave Golden State, but deep down he knew if he was out for the year and Golden State had a great run, the narrative would be always how much Golden State doesn't need him. So in Brooklyn, he could sit out the whole year and he expects them to make the playoff run, but they won't make it to the finals. So the narrative will be changed and focused on KD and say, well, Brooklyn needs KD to win a championship. He needs to feel like he's needed. And the last time I checked, Team Ball wins championships. I just think that Kevin Durant is one of those people who always has to feel like he fits in. He's the glue. He's the person everybody turns to. We're going to take a brief break and we'll be right back. give us his thoughts on um, Durant's comments and Curry's response to Durant's comments. Well, anywho, I honestly felt like Kevin Durant never really fit in with the Warriors in general. I mean, even Shannon Sharp pointed that out, and Kevin Durant said he sounded ignorant. And then Kevin Durant comes out months later saying, I never really felt like he fit in with the offensive system, with the with just the team culture in general, with the fan base. I mean, he wasn't drafted there. And to be honest, he really doesn't fit in the system. I mean Okay, hold on. Let me let me pause you right there. How can you win two championships and not fit into the system? How can a player like Steph Curry, a player like Klay Thompson take away their possessions? lower their points average per game, bring you in and let you somewhat lead the team and you not fit in. That just doesn't make sense to me. I just think he's salty. But go ahead. The league right now is really geared heavily toward the two-way wing. I mean, look at guys like Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, uh, LeBron James, and Kevin Durant. They're all two way. They're all two way wings, and they're all pretty dominant. Oh, what about Clay I Thompson? Mean, Isn't he one of the top two way players? Yeah, but Golden State drafted him. I'm speaking about Kevin Durant not fitting in with the system. But even before Kevin Durant got there, the Warriors were winning. They were winning without him. Then you take the the second best two way wing in the entire NBA, and you add him there. I mean, they're all so good, it doesn't even matter if he really fit or not. I mean, because winning covers up really anything. Winning covers up just about anything. Then when I think they finally, when they lost, I think things started to come out. My problem with Kevin Durant is he wants the best of everything and the worst of nothing. Like, he wants to have the best of all every situation but refuses to acknowledge all the repercussions and the downsides that may come with that that is my problem with Kevin Durant okay so basically what you're saying is what they said about him in Oklahoma City is true he's a cupcake he's soft that's what soft people do yeah basically I mean I'm not trying to say he's 
he's the second. I think he's the second best player in the NBA. I'm not trying to take nothing away from his game. I'm just saying simply from where he fit. He didn't really fit with the Warriors. He was just so good, and they kept winning. They were winning without him, and then you add him with them, and they're unstoppable. They keep winning, so nobody's paying attention. But I really think he never fit. I really just think it comes down to the narrative that Kevin Durant wanted it to be. And he had to know going to Golden State that they really didn't need him, but he needed them. Okay, so that narrative didn't work the way he wanted to. But now, on the flip side, he's hurt. He's with Brooklyn. They will not make the finals without Kevin Durant. When Kevin Durant comes back, he'll show them why Brooklyn needed him. But he couldn't prove to the critics why Golden State needed him. Let's go ahead and move forward so we can wrap this up. Do you agree with the news that came out that De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Hill are top backcourts named top backcourts in the NBA? Not the top, but among the top. Okay, see, when you say among the top, but where? They didn't have it a, a, a specific ranking. They just said they're among the top backcourts in the NBA. Do I think they're among the top? Sure. I mean... Darren Fox is ascending pretty fast. Uh, Buddy Hill, I like his game. He's a good scorer. He's a good shooter. But do I think they're really in the top? I mean, I'll just throw a throw some on it. They they're probably they're top ten definitely. They're they're maybe top five. I don't uh, off the top of my head. The, uh, Damian Lillard and CJ, they're the best to me off the top of my head. They're not better than Steph and Clay together, though. So don't forget about that. Well, Clay isn't going to be playing this year, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, but yeah, I agree with you. Steph and Clay is definitely the best in the NBA. Obviously. And then you but... got CJ and Dame. Now you have Russell and. James Harden, who will be playing together this year. But we don't know how they're going to pan out. We really don't. I mean, they they played all right together in Oklahoma City, but they're two different players now. They're two very very ball-dominant players. Russ can't... I don't see how Russ can survive in the the Rockets system when he can't shoot. Like, he is literally the worst shooting guard in the NBA. I just, I I wouldn't throw that in there yet. I'm not saying it can't happen, but I think it's too early for Russ and James Harden. All right. Well, let's go back to the original question. You said that if they're among the top back courts in the NBA, you agree. And I agree as well um, because last season – Hill shot, he averaged 20 and 5 and um, shot 43% from the arc, while Fox averaged 17, 8 and 4 and three steals per game. So I think they have it. It's They're young and they have, you know, time to even develop even more. Let's move forward. ESPN picks Steph Curry and LeBron James as the best players of the decade. And can you name a better pair? And I mean, KD and James Harden have been great scorers. You have Russell Westbrook, who's averaged a triple-double two seasons in a row. 
But LeBron James and Stephen Curry have led their teams to the promised land eight straight times and five straight times, respectively, in the last decade. Has any other leaders done that in the last decade? No. So if they're among the top two best players of the decade, I'll accept that. I can't argue with that. They're <laughs> That's a pretty obvious question, but... Yeah, there might be somebody who would throw KD in there, but you really can't throw him in there. No, 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 no. Not top not two, me. top five, yes. Top two, no. In other news, Draymond Green was named um, All NBA Second Team for the decade, and I'm not sure I can really argue this, but I'm not upset with him being an all-NBA second team for a decade. He is an important part to the Warriors' success. He's their heart and soul, their motor. And we're talking about a player that has been to five straight finals along with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. And he averages 15 points per game per 100 possessions, even though he averages overall 10 points a game throughout his career. And per those 100 possessions, he has less than two turnovers. And I know some people will say, well, you know, he's averaging 10 points over his career. He's not really great, but you don't need him to score. You need him to do all the other intangible things that can't be measured. Right. He's like the glue on the defensive side of the ball. He's the anchor that keeps everybody together. And according to popular belief, if Draymond Green wouldn't have been suspended, LeBron wouldn't have won the finals in 2016 according to popular belief. Obviously, I think LeBron's the GOAT, but there is a case to be made that the that the Cavs would not have won if Draymond Green was still available. I know a lot of people really think that, and the thing is, we'll never know. But he he definitely is a difference maker. And people say, well, you know, he, he won't strive in any other offense. Well, he goes to a different offense. The thing is about Draymond Green that we've known about him so far is that he's going to adapt and he's going to see what he can do to make that offense better, more productive, to make the defense uh, look, you know, more great than what it is. He's a great defensive player, and he's one of the few players in the league that can guard any position one through five. Right. What I was alluding to by bringing up the 2016 finals is I was pointing out that He's really their X factor when Steph and when Steph and Clay aren't playing particularly well, which we've seen before. He Draymond Green's really their X factor in terms of hustle and defense and all those other things, like you said, intangibles and Are you there? So listen, I may have lost Webb again, so I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. The last thing we wanted to um, inform you about is that the Aces and the Sparks in the WNBA were both blown out in Game 2 of the semifinal. Both now face elimination on Sunday. The series is a best of five games. They both return home, and we hope the best for the Los Angeles Sparks as well as the Las Vegas Aces. That does it for today. Thank you for joining Feel the Heat, Episode 10. 
Um, we hope you enjoyed today's episode. In the meantime, feel free to send in your questions. I forgot to tell you this in the beginning. And you can do so at anchor.fm forward slash feel the heat forward slash message. Again, that's at anchor.fm forward slash feel the heat forward slash message. Or you can hit us up on Twitter at feel the heat underscore KW. Once again, I'm your host, Day. Have a good Friday. We out. <laughs>